Conversations about the soul. Yeah. Wow. To, to recap, what I got from you last time is the soul is a point of awareness. It has observation and the ability to question. Mm -hmm. Free will. And the soul, you know, even if time and space is an illusion, growth and continuity is still a thing. You know, the, the soul, whether the research is all there or not, there, there's enough evidence, whether it's like scientific or anecdotal, that shows that memory is a thing. You know, like data does evolve. Data does stick around, and it's especially through the DNA. So the DNA is the physical archives of our soul's choices on the physical reality. It really whoa. is. Whoa, hold on. Will you repeat that? The, the soul? Wait, DNA is the physical archive of the, of the soul's, soul's journey. Of the soul's journey. Wow. Yeah. So I, 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 I can speak freely based on my beliefs, yeah? So, my, you mm -hmm. know, I... I believe that consciousness and awareness exists far beyond just on earth and the experience on maybe a different planet or a different reality could be just so, so different, but at least on earth, because that's our only point of reference. Um, uh, we, we, we exist through these, through these human bodies and the human body, um, we, we contain memory, we contain DNA we contain um, all this stuff, but I, I read this series of books that talked about, it's um, Dr. Michael Newton. He talked, um, he, he's a hypnotherapist that specialized in like past life regression therapy. And uh, I really liked his definition of the soul where he, he states that the soul starts off as this like golden yellowish point of light or sorry, I, it starts off as like a, yeah, no, a white light. It starts off as this pure white light. And then through all these different incarnations, it actually changes color over time. Almost like going through um, the entire rainbow, going from like red, orange, green, all up to violet until eventually gets to this point where it reaches this like a uh, solid gold. It goes from this mm -hmm. pure white to the solid gold. And the reason why it's changing, and my own interpretation of that is you have these experiences where the soul is faced with choices, challenges, all that stuff. And um, you know, on the physical level, you have, you have this very direct ability to observe what your, what your choices do. Um, but it, it's also, there's some record of it being transcribed on a spiritual level. And mm. that, that could be you know, like your, your memories, your emotions, your beliefs that you form through all of this. And they got that get, get that get kind of passed on, and then referencing the Seth material about how all these incarnations are happening simultaneously. I like to think of it as, you know, consciousness is like this beam of light shooting through this prism, and through this prism it splits off, right? And each of those split offs are almost a different color, a different refraction, but they're also each a different soul. Um, you know, studying a lot of this past life or simultaneous life stuff through many different references, whether it's past life regression or the Seth series or channelers. Um, what, what, one thing that I have gleaned is that every incarnation can be very different. Every incarnation, it's almost like the soul wants diversity and experience. The soul craves um, diversity. Cause like, imagine if, imagine if you all of a sudden were in this lucid dream where you can make 
anything that you want possible, anything happen, you would be, but, but you, didn't, you didn't understand it. You're in this lucid dream. You can make anything happen, but you don't understand how or why it's happening. Th th there's, there's this point of curiosity. The soul, I, I believe that the soul at its root is unlimited curiosity. Hmm. You know, I, I, there's this, Seth actually references this too, and I, I love the story that Seth proposes, but Seth's like, you know, Jane asks, like, or Robert asks, like, what, um, how, how, how would you define the beginning of creation? Like, how does this all start? And Seth obviously is like, I'm, I'm going to speak this in a linear fashion, but obviously this didn't happen in space time. This happened in a much higher dimension, but imagine <laughs> there was, there was just this awareness and the awareness asked itself, what am I? The moment it was able to become aware of itself, many things happened at once. It, 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 um, it, it caused the first split where it was able to, um, in, in, order, in order to define your existence, you have to have something outside of you as reference. And in the beginning, awareness only had itself. So it was able to ask if I am this and what am I not? And that question, that question all of a sudden began this infinite journey into self-discovery. I like to think of God as an ongoing question. You know, like, what am I? Well, you can answer that question in one moment, but then that answer generates another question. And another question, it's like the infinite stream of questions. So the soul, the human, at least the way that I interpreted, the soul is one of the infinite questions being asked. And we're, we're taking, we're, you know, we, we, have, we spend this one lifetime trying to just answer that question to our unique ability, to the best of our own unique ability that we can. Um, what is existence? What is God? Well, in my case, it's, it's Lee. And Lee is this person that had this history making these choices. That's, that's one answer to that question, along with many infinite variations. Tyler is also an answer to that same question. It's one answer, it's, it's one answer to this question that will generate more and more questions. Um, so the soul, and the reason why I believe we have all these incarnations is, imagine, okay, there are some obviously amazing things about being alive right now, right? Like mm -hmm. as, as challenging as it is, being alive on this reality, is, it's, it's fucking phenomenal. We have, we have this thing called emotion and this emotion makes everything it, you know, is what it is. And as big as this place is and with infinite varieties of experiences we can have, let's, let's really be honest with ourselves. You cannot get everything out of the human experience with just one lifetime. That's mm. fucking impossible. There's just no way. It would make sense that you would want to I, um, imagine, imagine you saw Earth as this like really complex uh, simulation program. And you walk by and you're like, man, what is this chaotic mess? This is fascinating. Look at all these creatures and different skin colors and you know, doing different things and interact. Like, like what is this? And like, th there's just like so many questions you want to ask about this. So, only way you can answer is by simulating it for yourself. Like, okay, what is, what is this earth program about? Well, I'm gonna answer my own question by just simulating it. Can you get the entire um, human package off of just one lifetime? I, I just, no, obviously no. There's just way, there's way too much experience. So the, um, the, the, at least where I'm at currently with my, my belief about the soul and incarnations is that you are this point of awareness, this ability to observe and ask questions.
you come across the simulation called Earth, and you ask yourself, what, is it, what does it mean to be human? And as this one point of awareness passes through the Earth simulation, it's like that one beam of light hitting that prism. Imagine Earth as that prism. That one beam of light hits that prism, aka Earth. It splits off to all these different fragments, and each of those fragments contains within them a part of the whole that is the answer of this is what it means to be human. Um, so you, you know, you're going through, the light splits off, you'll have one lifetime as like a black woman in, in Haiti during the 1500s, you'll be a Native American, you know, a, a part of the Hopi tribe like a thousand years ago, you'll be a, a Jew during the time of Christ. All these completely varied experiences that somehow still tie together, like somehow still create this comprehensive picture. Um, and then it comes back together, it comes back together. And that, that, that experience the process of going through that experience, I think forever, forever changes that awareness. You know, like a fundamental belief about existence and consciousness is that it's everything's energy, right? Everything's energy. And what is energy? Energy is just a series of waves. It's a series of vibrations. Um, you, I'm sure you, you'll, you'll possibly read this in the Seth series and Abraham and other channels reference this, but uh, we all have our own unique signature frequency. There's a, you know, the, the, the energetic makeup of Tyler is a unique frequency, like a perfectly mm -hmm. unique uh, frequency, like a, a radio station channel. It's, it's a Tyler channel. And it's unique, like nothing else can change it or alter it. Like it'll permanently, it'll always exist, it always has existed, and it'll forever exist as the Tyler channel. Now, it's unique and it's separate and it's distinct, but the frequency can change. Your amplitude your frequency in terms of like the rate, the, the richness and the complexity, the frequency changes. And that, that the way that it changes is based off of just, I think just living life. You know, like who you are now, Tyler, very different than 20 years ago. You know, your, your, your choices and your experiences have changed your unique frequency. So the soul. You said that soul, it, can I, may I? Yeah, yeah. So you said that we have a signature frequency Mm -hmm. But then you're also saying that it shifts through time. So what part of that is signature and stays with us through all of the maybe different incarnations, different uh, life experiences and the adaptations? How does that, you know, is it bandwidth that shifts? Is it amplitude? Is it is the frequency itself? Uh, it's a signature, like a fingerprint, but it's a continuation. So again, if it's a linear thing, then it's that's a damn good question emotion. yeah um and it's it's going to be kind of because like this this is a question that um we're trying to find an answer that's based out of like space-time thinking right so that i'm, I'm going to try to come up with a apropos answer like um if i if i use my creativity my imagination to tap in to answer that question imagine tyler's unique frequency is just the melody of a song okay but imagine starting Ooh. off, it's a, it's, a, it's a melody, like it's a song that doesn't change. Do you remember, do you remember the name of the song that you really enjoyed that you wanted to use as the intro and outro to your podcast when you first started hanging out? Oh, yeah. It's Rhino Dub. Rhino Dub, yeah. Imagine <laughs> Tyler's unique frequency is Rhino Dub. But when you were very first born, imagine just a very basic 8-bit eight, eight synth. Like it's just, it's, just, it's just one instrument, like a very basic synthesizer, and that it starts off, it's playing the, the melody of Rhino Dub. Like, okay, this is obvious Rhino Dub, but it's super, super, super simple. It's just one, doo, 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 doo. it's just one instrument, right? Mm. And over time, 
you learn about, maybe you acquire a drum sounding instrument. It changes the song, but it's still the song. You can recognize, okay, this is still Tyler's song. Over time, maybe you'll add some effects like reverb. Maybe you'll add some, some effects like vocals. Maybe you'll add some effects, maybe there's a choir, there's a, there's a brass section. Over time, you're, you're changing the, the, the feel and the flow of the song, but it's still the song. You still recognize, this is Rhino Dub. Maybe it's a remix. Every five years is a different remix, but it's still Rhino Dub. And no other person has Rhino Dub, I guess. That, that's, if I was trying to get to answer that question, that's my best shot, is everyone has their own unique melody and that's our signature vibration. So we're creating um, the song of our soul. Yes, yeah, we're creating the song of our soul. And I believe that um, you have, a, I, you, you, I don't know if you read this in the Seth book or not, but there's, there's an oversoul level, right? So, right, right, Seth too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, just, just as how each of our incarnations are like fingers, like this is our soul, and each of these incarnations are like fingers, right? So, you know, there's, there's Tyler, and then there's your past and your future selves, all part of the same hand. Well, that soul also is part of an oversoul that's got other forearms and other fingers sticking out. And maybe, and like this is something that we at the ego physical level can't comprehend yet, but maybe the, the unique signature vibration that we're trying to refine and develop and express is part of an even, even bigger orchestration. Like what if you die, Tyler, and then you meet, you meet your soul level and all your incarnations that produce their own unique signature, like their own songs, when you layer the songs over, it creates this beautiful orchestral piece. It's a multidimensional mm. orchestral piece. And that is like, that is, that is that soul telling the universe, this is what I am, this is how I exist. This is how I fit into existence. And then it probably just escalates. There might be, there might be like even more complex, more infinitely diverse forms of orchestral pieces that our oversouls make up. But it's just, so it's is all there... Is there a uh, is there a container? Is there a wrapper? Is there an end, so to speak, or is it a constant from your objective perspective? Is yeah. there a constant, uh, you know, a Seth two, a Seth three, a Seth four, a Seth five? Right? Is there mm -hmm. a layer and layer and layer of ascension of the soul? And if so, then uh, would that be kind of the oneness theory? Right? Precisely. How, so source might be, wait, an amalgamation of all of these different uh, souls combined, like the ultimate orchestra? Yes. Yeah. yeah I, I really like the idea, like the visual reference of just white light. You know, like if you, mm. if you have like the most, if you have the latest version of Photoshop, um, the ability to pick your palette of colors it, it, you know, it started off from like 64 colors, like over a million choices of colors, right? There's like this huge spectrum of range. Well, as we get more and more complex and more and more, more inwards, we see that there's like this infinite spectrum of color. But when you, when you combine all of it, it's still just a solid white light. That's, that's the oneness. That's the allness. And, and in my search, because like we, we naturally are born with fear. You know, we're, we're naturally born with fear because we live in a world where it's important. It's not all bad. It, it keeps us alive. It keeps us going. But that fear can be applied to like, metaf like large metaphysical questions like, well, what happens to me when I die? And although we can't quote unquote prove it based off of both my research and my own personal experiences, um, 
the individual never dies. The individual has to always exist forever in order for the whole to exist in general. Mm. So yeah, there, there has always been a Tyler and there will always be a Tyler. So how do you define the concept of beginning or end any sort of that linear fashion? So on one hand, you're saying there, there's always been a Tyler frequency. There's always been a Lee frequency, right? And it shows up through different fingers, different uh, incarnations, different elements, uh, different yeah. ways of observing uh, the awareness, right? Mm -hmm. So then how come, you know, scientists say 13.8 billion years ago, there was a bang, Yeah. right? W where's the relevancy? of that and if so <laughs> how does that concept of time or an origin point in your perspective fill out to would there, wouldn't there be a logical end point mm. um so that's a okay that's, that's a pretty big question um <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best to answer it thanks um the big bang you know the theory the theory of the big bang is relatively new and the theory of the Big Bang has actually been losing traction. Um, although the data shows us, based off of, our, of the latest technology, that we can kind of estimate 13.8 billion years ago, now there's a lot of additional theories popping up saying there actually could be infinite Big Bangs. And we're only aware of just the one that we're able to see and exist in. Um, in terms of beginning and endpoint, the Big Bang you know, signifies the beginning of just our universe. However, and you'll, you'll come to discover this in the, in the Seth series as well, like there obviously are infinite, 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 infinite uh, different parallel universes. And um, on in the, in the third, third to fourth dimensional level, in order, in order for us to have this experience, there has to be this linearity, right? But it, if you go to the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, seventh is as you go up on dimensions, that linearity completely loses reference. And consciousness, I've come to experience and understand, although it can abide by this time-space continuum, like that's, that's how we're able to have this human experience, it very easily can also shift a gear up. Um, it, it, can, it can exist outside of time and space. So if it can exist outside of time and space, then beginning and endings don't really matter at all. It, doesn't make, it almost doesn't make sense on a higher level. Uh, but Talk about that higher level perspective, if you would. What, what is yeah. that like going from three dimensions to four? And if so, how far up, <laughs> if we're to use that scale, um, mm. <laughs> how far have you gone or experienced or perceived? Um, I believe I experienced, um, okay, let's see. Let me, okay. Do you, have you heard of, like, do you, do you know what a Mobius strip is? No. Okay. Um, let, uh, yeah. If you just Google on your desktop, Mobius strip, Mobius strip. Uh, let's see, I'll, I'll do it too. Yeah, actually, uh, if you want, you could just share your screen. Oh, okay. Yeah, right let at the bottom, it says, yeah, screen share, then you can pick just a tab or you can pick your desktop or whatever okay uh, let me do that then pull up zoom and then share screen Firefox posted all right we're live Mobius yeah, strip Mobius strip yeah 
So a Mobius strip band or loop, also spelled Mobius or da, da 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 is a surface with only one side and only one boundary. The Mobius strip has the mathematical property of being unorientable. It can be realized as a rule surface or whatever. I'll, I'll go to the Whoa. Wikipedia. Yeah, so and you could anyone can construct one. You can take a strip of paper, you you twist one end, and then you tape it together. And like we, an uh, elementary, I remember uh, doing an experiment with this. They're talking about concepts of like multidimensional mathematics, and you, you take a pencil and you could put it on this end right here, and you never have to take the pencil off. You just keep the pencil on, and you can run it across the Mobius strip, and you will eventually end up right where you started. You can create this complete line, so it's it's a very rough kind of concept of this infinite loop. Even though it's like, like in a third dimension, this idea of infinite loops like it's not, it not it's mathematically impossible, right? So, but this is like a really rudimentary, rough way to illustrate this. So, imagine, um, imagine. Okay, so let me let me blow it up, blow this up. There we go. So imagine this is time and space. Time and space. If you're okay, hold on. Buckling up. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, buddy. Let's see it. Yeah, take take a sip. Um, okay. So uh, I like. You know, th this is going to be just a an exercise, just imagination, right? This is okay. just for fun. I I don't speak as an authority. This is just how I interpret it and what makes sense to me. But I see. Um, you know, Einstein has talked about how time and space is indeed sort of a fabric. It's 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 a it's a fabric of of sorts where objects of mass can affect each other, where gravity some you know, can kind of come into play. But it's this fabric, and the ideas of traveling fast and the speed of light treats time and space as a fabric because you have the ability to puncture through the fabric to join from point A to point B. So in Star Trek or Star Wars, and talk about the warp drive, imagine, imagine our universe is right here on the Mobius Strip, okay? This, and this is like the Milky Way galaxy. And then Andromeda is way the fuck over here. It's like how many billions of light years away? Well, the warp drive would just be literally, if this is a piece of paper, you'd compress the two pieces of paper together, take a little needle and poke a hole through. So instead of traveling this whole expanse, you have the ability to warp the time-space fabric and then just kind of puncture through. That's kind of the, uh, that's kind of the theoretical concept of um, teleportation. But how, the, how, this, how this applies or affects uh, to your earlier question, this is a way that I, I like to imagine um, reality exists. Uh, so the Big Bang produces, in a sense, this Mobius strip, but I believe like if, 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 if we're going off the basis that consciousness has always been, if there was no beginning and end, then there had, there had to be a point, this Mobius strip at uh, this quote unquote universe had to exist before the Big Bang. This is, this is just ex ex um, existence in general. Imagine, imagine if this point right here on the time space was like, you see this little cross section was the Big Bang, okay? And then we are right here. Uh, and this is only thir uh, 13.8 billion years. Well, theoretically, you could go before the time of the Big Bang, and you can go after. And you can go along this loop as many times as you want forward and as many times as you want backwards, but it all still exists. It's all just there, and it's just, I, 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 I'm trying to get the best way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always existed. The Mobius strip and time spaces in this info loop has always existed, I guess. So 
maybe mm. on this third on this third dimensional level, this might be a way for us to interpret infinity and existence. But on another dimensional level, there are these advanced geometrical shapes um, on the four, fifth, and sixth dimensional level that we can use advanced computers to computate, but the human mind conceptually can't wrap our minds around. Can you show any of those examples? Yeah, um, let me take a look here. Uh, there was a really good podcast. I've talked about this actually. Um, we need to get see. my friend Grayson on on this uh, this next one that we do around this subject. He's oh, yeah? the other person that I talk to on this kind of level. That's that's very very deep, like you. And <laughs> oh my goodness, that would be tremendous to to see both of you guys like play it off of each other and feed it in because he's the one that actually showed me this hypercube first. That was oh, like really? 20 years ago. Yeah. Oh shit. I um I <laughs> I uh I want to I want to brush up on this more and learn about it more. I just have a very very broad general knowledge. You know, I um he he probably walk circles around me, but I I was Oh, no no no. Down he's to join. He's the same kind of person as you. Like it has nothing to do with his profession. He's not a doctor oh. or anything like that. He's just an incredibly interested, fascinating, curious soul. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'd, to I'd be totally down. Um, so there's this idea. Yeah, so I, I guess just to recap, you know, like a tesseract is a hypercube. It's just what a cube looked like in fourth dimensional space. Uh, well, there's a fifth dimensional version of this, a sixth dimensional, a seventh dimensional. So can, can you actually explain what we're seeing here, though? Because a three-dimensional cube makes sense, right? I have a rock. Yeah. It, it says imagine on it. I like yeah. that. It's tactile. It fills up this much space. It weighs this much, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what is it that we're looking at, then, if there's the cube, but then the tesseract has another layer. Is that energetic? Is that something that we can actually see or touch oh, or interact okay. with? Yeah, so it's simply the fourth dimensional level is something that I don't think we could. Um, okay, so I'll try my best. Three dimensions, it's obvious. Height, weight, depth. Not weight, width. Height, width, depth. Three dimensions, cube. The fourth dimension is you know, from, from what most, most people have kind of come to the point of is, is time. The fourth dimension is time. Uh, beyond that, I couldn't really comment too well. There's a really good YouTube video. Um, it's actually only two minutes long. Let me see if I can, we, we can just watch it Dude, real quick. that's perfect. That sounds yeah. great. Plus uh, I just got to remember, let's see, 10 dimensions explained. So two, yeah, in, in two minutes. So this is a really good job explaining it. Um, I actually, I can actually do a better job explaining with a human. Uh, I think, um, we can watch this real quick. Uh, I think this is it. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Will you full screen it? Uh, I don't have any audio. Okay. I went to full screen. There we go. How about now? Do you have visuals? Uh, it is come back up. Um, it's just under half of the page. There we go. Now it's full screen. Okay. Add 12 seconds in. 
All right, I'm going to go back a little bit. We'll just watch this really quickly, and then I'll reference back to maybe uh, an example. Perfect. For the human person. And then oh, if I think I, it could apply. Yeah, if I can't hear it, yeah. if our, our listener can't hear it, do you want to just go ahead and uh, describe what it is that we're watching? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm going to press play. And if you can't hear any audio, then I'll just send you the link to this video as well. And then, yeah, I can, I can definitely describe. Are you hearing yeah, the audio? No audio. Okay. You know, I'm wondering if um, there's a Zoom setting. I bet you there is. Bet you there is. Mm-hmm. More. Okay. You know what? We can we can figure it out later. Uh, One dimensions. Many points make a line. Two dimensions. Make a plane. So now we're in 3D. Many planes make a space. Three dimensions. Many spaces, Many spaces make, a, make world a world line. line. Four dimensions. Many world lines make Prob a probability plane. In the five dimensions. Okay, so uh, just to kind of recap, <clears throat> like very basic stuff, right? Three, we understand up to 3D and then 4D talks about time. Um, there, there's this concept of the fourth dimensional human that I really liked. It was explained by someone that, uh, okay. So if, if every single uh, Planck second, which is like the smallest measurement of time that, we, that we'd be able to mathematically devise a Planck second, um, if you took a Planck second of every, of every, if you took um, a snapshot of, let's say, let, let's, let's use, uh, use you, Tyler, we take, uh, somehow we have the technology, like may, maybe your life is a simulation, like a 3D simulation, right? And each frame of that simulation on the Planck second, there's a snapshot that's being taken, like, like, a, like a fourth dimensional picture, right? From the moment that your father's sperm hits your mom's egg, Two, the moment you take your last breath on your deathbed. You take a little, that little snapshot, right? Now, let's, let's using your imagination, if you were to line up all those snapshots, if you were to zoom out, if you were to zoom out and you see the planet Earth, like, you, like you're an astronaut, and you line up all those snapshots, you would see a fourth dimensional Tyler snake. Because like, think about it, if all of your snapshots were all lined up, you would look like some crazy weird snake thing. Um, so as an example, you could take uh, your, your phone and you could pull up your photos app and you're zoomed into one photo and then you pinch out and now all of a sudden you see a couple photos next to each other. You pinch out again and now all of a yeah. sudden you see them combined. You zoom out again and you see by the month or by the year. It's a similar process, right? Yeah, but, but it's creating a cohesive shape. So, okay, I'm trying to give a good uh, example. So on some of the old Windows... XP programs when something, remember when something would fail and you could drag the window and it caused all these copies? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes. Yeah, but imagine that, but with, with you. Imagine, so like, if there's like, if there's like a picture of me, like here, 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 and you line it up, there'd be one blurry long line of Lees. 
from hmm. each little snapshot. Now take that and blow it up across your whole life. So where were you born, Tyler? Juneau, Alaska. So imagine the, the snake starts in Juneau, Alaska, and you travel all over the world, right? You, you've, you've been to several places already. Like name, name three other countries you've been to so far off the top of your head. I've been to Canada. I've been to, uh, I've been to Germany briefly. And Germany. I've been to Australia. Australia. Yeah, so that would be part of the Tyler snake. So the start on this, you, you see like this, if you took a, you, yeah, if you looked at the earth, right? And here's Alaska. You see the Tyler snake eventually make its way to Australia, to Germany, to Canada, to you know, Portland, down to Lake Tahoe. And it's like, it's, it, it's kind of like this weird crisscross, like a squiggly line. But that in a snapshot is what Tyler is, is a fourth dimensional entity. Now, so it's, it's consolidating everything that would be contained within time as we perceive yes. it, right? That's, so that's your fourth dimensional self. Ha. Is, it, is so that entire? Is, okay, how does probability play into that? Now we go into the fifth dimension. Uh -huh. The fifth dimensional. So, so you start off in Juno. So here's, here's what, so when it comes to, um, the, this, this, this gets, this gets kind of trippy. Um, we, let's, let's pretend, let's pretend in this example, you only way Tyler could have ever been born, like, like your birthday and your place of birth doesn't change at all. Okay. Imagine, imagine Tyler, the creationist as a simulation. Like it's, it's like, it's a video game. It's a video game with multiple endings. There could have been, a, there's easily a Tyler that never went to Germany or Australia. There's a Tyler that that never started their own business. There's a Tyler that got married really young and has kids already. There's an infinite variety of Tylers. So right. if you don't change the, the beginning, the beginning point, birthday, Alaska, Juno, but everything else is a variable, you start seeing the fifth dimensional version of you where instead of seeing one defined snake, one defined Tyler snake where you were born in one place, you die in one place and you had all these experiences. Now you're seeing all of those Tyler snakes overlap. That's the fifth dimensional Tyler. How? Sick. Because hmm. there's infinite possibilities there, then, right? Yes and no. There is there is a finite limit to the Tyler experience because, like I said, in this example, your birth, your birthday, and your place of birth doesn't change. Just in this example. It gets more complicated if your parents could have picked another place, another, another place that you might have been born. That's just it. If you were born somewhere else in a different time, I don't know if you would be, you would be Tyler per se. That's why, and, and this is like, this gets really heavy and heady. So I'm, I'm only limiting the theoretical um, exercise as we have one concrete point, which is your birth date and your place of birth. That doesn't change. For the fifth dimensional example, Can I, can I pull on that thread slightly? Yeah, 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 ask away. Okay, so four dimensions seems really easy to grasp, right? Yeah, just the top. take the consolidation of your life and be able mm -hmm. to view that at one point. Yeah. Right? So then fifth dimensions would be all the potential or the probable outcomes that you could have had mm -hmm. during that same time frame. So still a, a linear being that as a beginning and an end point, is that correct? So you're saying that yeah. the container is around birth and death. That's what the, the symphony, the orchestra is uh, constructed upon. 
So if that was adjusted at any point, it could have been, uh, you know, somebody else's. It, maybe it's not Lee. Maybe it's, it's not Tyler. It's not Lee. It's Grayson, right? <laughs> maybe it's another person if, if it's outside of that birth and that death points. Is that what you're saying? Mm, I, I like going back to the idea of DNA, like at least, at least, an, at least for the human experience and for earth, which is the only reference point we have and the only reference point that we really need to speak about because we're humans talking to other humans. If we limited it to just the human concept, I, I think a really good starting point is to limit to DNA. Your DNA, obviously everyone's DNA is unique. Tyler is Tyler, your DNA signature is, honestly, it's a really good uh, analogy or representation of your unique uh, frequency sig uh, signature frequency. Um, so maybe, maybe your place of birth could have been different, but the DNA of what you are, the way that your dad's sperm and your mom's egg met up to create that zygote, that is the unique Tyler zygote. And how that DNA plays out, all those different types of lives or whatever, um, there's still that there's still that base of rhino dub, the base of Tyler's DNA is rhino dub. Now you've already read here. Actually, actually, you're gonna get a kick out of it. It's actually have this right right close hand. I've been peeking into it. I have in my hand, Dr. Joe Dispenza's um, becoming supernatural. supernatural. Yes. Oh, I oh love yeah. That book. And so because yeah, you've already read it, so you understand the idea of epigenetics, like this, oh, really, yes. which Seth has also talked about. You'll you'll come to read. He Seth's already described epigenetics. So our DNA does change, but just minorly, very little. I thought that it's not actually the DNA that changes, but it's yes, how it expresses itself. Yes. The, the code is still the same. The code is still the same. Yes, that, yeah, thank you for the correction. You're right, exactly. How it expresses itself changes. Um, so, you know, Tyler, the Rhino Dub song will always be, will always be. But each- It's a good song. It is a good song. And from, and from the fifth dimensional perspective, you are listening to every, you're listening to infinite variations of Rhino Dub at once. That's Woo! fifth dimensional Tyler. Imagine, wow. imagine listening to, um, yeah, so like if you're trying as a, and this isn't like maybe the most apropos example, but it's just a fun exercise in imagination. We can picture the fourth dimensional uh, Tyler Rhino dub signature frequency. Imagine taking the very first iteration, which is like the very basic synth, right? The 8 bit synth, like Tyler's Born, so it's very simple, you know, the familiar song. And then Tyler as an old man, where you've gained all this experience, all this wisdom, you've grown a lot, and maybe the Rhino dub is like very built out, like a complete orchestra, right? You have like a whole goddamn orchestra and a DJ and electronic sense you have every instrument you can possibly imagine it's perfectly harmonized like the most articulate version of rhino dub and you take all those versions and you just stack them on top of each other you know that's that's the fourth dimensional snapshot of your soul using this analogy of of, uh, of a song as your frequency and then a fifth dimensional version of that would be taking those infinite variations all the different variations and then layering those on top of each other. Like in this lifetime, um, it's, it's impossible to say, like you're, you're existing in fourth and you're, 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 we're, you and I are both existing in all dimensions right now. Um, there's a really good, I, I'm not gonna be able to find it because I don't know the terminology, but, but I'm gonna draw it. I'm gonna draw it. Perfect. Here. 
Uh, I don't think this is my original idea. I think I read about this a long time ago, but I'm going to try to just hash it out the best I can. So is the text reversed, by the way? Uh, no, it's, it's actually, I see a cone of probability. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then time and place of, what's the bottom word? A birth. Oh, a birth. Yeah. yeah. So here's okay. another way to kind of illustrate um, us as souls and our, and our whole life. This cone of probability could maybe be uh, a fifth dimensional snapshot of, let's, let's like go back to using you as an example. So this entire paper and beyond this paper is all possible realities in existence, okay? Anything that your imagination can come up with, let's say theoretically does exist. There is a yarn tie like, okay, did you, have, did you ever watch um, um, that movie or read the book? Um, oh God, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I need to, ah, I have not. <laughs> you didn't see the movie either? No. There's this funny part where they're traveling to the spaceship and I don't know what they're using some type of technology to like jump through these different dimensions. And there's like one dimension where they're like, they're like yarn people, one dimension where they're like clay animation people, one dimension where they're like two dimensional. There's like all these variations of who they are, right? So there's like these infinite versions of like what reality can be. But out of the infinite possibilities, there's this one cone that's carved out that's reserved for you, the Tyler experience. Now, the reason why it's this cone is because um, this is the place of birth. Now, uh, in, this, in this cone is everything that can be possibly be related to you. Outside of this cone could be something like, right outside this cone could be a different timeline. So let's say um, the Beatles playing their first concert. That was like what, in the 60s? That's completely outside your cone. Because of, because of where and when you were born, the Beatles' first concert was never going to be in your cone of probability. Does that kind of make sense? So there's right. certain events, play, you know, places, events, and time, like this, this all factors in the cone of probability. Because of when and where you were born, there are things that will never be in your cone. But because of where you're born, there are things that are included in your cone. So like, if, do, you, do you have any older family members that have deceased recently? Uh, you don't know me asking, like maybe a, a grandparent or a great-grandparent. Or... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a little bit um some some uh my cousins they they've both had um had people passed away that were younger uh due to recent events but um yeah in fact actually i told you about my my grandma joe's passing because i was there i was holding her in that time and so let's use that as the example because my goodness that was, <laughs> that was yeah. profound if okay uh, I didn't mean to make it super personal. I, I guess the reason why I bring it up oh, is because- Oh, please. I, I'm an open book, man. I have, I have no problem talking about this stuff. I mean, clearly you've got my date of birth, social security number. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to start getting some weird uh, identity theft reports coming your way soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is going to look kind of funky. Good. That's what Rhino Deb looks like. That's kind of right. funky. So mm. if this was time and space, let's say we go back a couple of decades. This is your grandma when she was born, right? Um, your grandma, her cone of probability because of the, her time of her death. And this is a fourth dimensional snapshot. This line right here is the coronavirus pandemic. This crazy world changing experience that you and I are alive to see. This, this was never in her cone of probability hmm. as an event. Um, 
on, on the fourth dimension. On the fifth dimension, there could have been a Grandma Joe who does experience, who, who's alive to this day and does experience this. Um, so this, this, these are like different like little snap. What I'm trying to illustrate is like- But how is it, oh, because her life endpoint could have been further down the line just by yeah, so like, two years. The end of the cone, yeah, exactly. The cone represents like life. Now, the reason why it's a cone, it's not just a straight line or a squiggly line is because as you progress through life, the variability increases exponentially, mm. the variability. So like between the ages of one and three for your life, there's not much variation besides your parents moving around or whatever. You have to learn how to walk. You have to learn how to eat. You have to learn how to wipe your own butt. Like there's these common, pretty <laughs> expected, you know, things to, yeah. It's like, it's, it's very limited, but as you get older and as your brain develops, as you become more cognizant, as you can think more and make more complex choices, your ability to understand, uh, understand yourself and choices in life and to choose gets more and more complex as you get older and more opportunities and events happen as you get older too. So the further you go out in life, the more variability there is. But it's still a cone because outside of this cone could be like if, um, I'm trying to think of another good example. Um, this, this cone is still limited to observable objective events on, on, on this planet Earth. So let's say on a fifth dimensional snapshot, we're going to use the same starting point for your life, um, but I'm going to draw a whole another cone. Okay, so the, there's a cone next to this cone. It's, it's really cruddy drawing, but in this timeline, or in the same place, same timeline, everything, this is a separate reality that's very similar, but the coronavirus never happened. And that Tyler exists now as well. So on the fifth dimensional snapshot, we're, we're seeing um, completely different parallel, like there, there's similarities, but they're, uh, I'm kind of just like spiraling out, but. You're doing uh, great, is, man. You're does doing that kind of great. Sense? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Help, help us to understand. It was easy to grasp with a single cone. And yeah. there's a point of origin and then the variability as we grow in intelligence, scope, possibilities, physical potential, et cetera, that grows. And then mm. so hence our, our world, our universe, if, if we're the center of the universe, because yeah. we all are as point of awareness from my perspective. So uh, it doesn't matter what you know exists out there. It's still being perceived through this vehicle, this vessel, all of my senses. So I'm the point of the universe from that perspective. Yes. Here's my cone. That makes great sense. Love that seeing grandma's cone in there. That makes great sense. Um, seeing the fifth dimensional reality of myself seems like it wouldn't be one additional cone. It would be infinite additional cones, but they would yeah. have that same point of origin. So maybe it's, yes. it's perceived as a dot with a circle around like it. like a sphere. Maybe all the cones combine to a sphere. It's, yeah, it's kind of weird trying to create, create three-dimensional models of this, but yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, no, you know, now that I think about it, I, I might have let, led us astray a little bit in this example. Let me redraw the cone. Um, oh, now it's getting good. So the, actually, <laughs> yes. the, cone, the cone as a snapshot is your fifth dimensional self. But if I draw a line, any kind of weird line, like a squiggly line, this line, let's say the top of the cone is your death. I mean, not, not really, because you could die, honestly, there's like infinite ways you could die at, at any age range. But this line 
is the fourth dimensional Tyler. These are the different choices you made throughout this cone of probability. Okay, I've got a totally tangential question here. Can I ask? Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. So source, right? People talk about source. I think about Abraham. I think about Seth. I think about Jesus. I think about all the different, um, you know, uh, symbols and the way that we connect with our soul. And then Ooh. there's when you're in alignment versus out of alignment. Could it be that the squiggles are out of alignment points that we feel and sometimes we keep going and we go a little further we got go a little more extreme before we course correct back to what our souls uh actually craving what what we actually want as far as expression in this journey of manifestation mm. and expansion as a human as a soul as an entity like how does how do we contain or, or wrap our heads around that uh in oh, relationship to the sphere in the cone Oh, that's a great, that's a great question. Okay, I've actually been thinking about that too. Um, this idea of spirituality, metaphysics, you do hear this thing a lot about being in or out of alignment. Like, what the hell does that mean? Right. Um, there's this concept uh, that I read in this book about, um, okay, so this, this goes back to the idea of your unique signature frequency. And it's, a, and it's a song. The song, honestly, it's another good way to use this analogy. Now, um, in, in, in music theory, we have this idea of major notes and minor notes, right? And, and, and a, in a very simplistic way of sometimes explaining to somebody who doesn't listen to or doesn't study music, the major notes are kind of the happier vibe notes and the minor notes are kind of a bit more sad, you know? If a song is played all in minor notes, some cases, it can elicit this emotional response. So even though we don't fully understand why, we know that we all have emotions and emotions are universal. Like everybody, it doesn't matter where you are in the world or what culture you're born from, when you're happy, you smile. Hmm. And when you're sad, you, you, you frown. Emotions are understandable on, on kind of a base level, right? Like we, and, and, and through that, we, um, yeah, it colors our experience. Now, how that applies to your own soul and your own life, how you make your choices being in and out of alignment. Let's say in this example, okay, this, this, this all goes back on the precept that you believe consciousness exists before you were born. Like, like if, you, if you believe that your consciousness existed before time and space, then there must have been a point in before time and space where you made a choice. Another idea in free will, or sorry, idea in spirituality is free will. There is always free will. Free will has always been there. People say, I was born against my free will. Well, yeah, on one level, it seems like that. You don't have the memory. But, you know, studying these spiritual texts, you know, once again, referencing like the, the channelers, the books, all that stuff, even having your own past life regression therapy, you can, you can kind of get to a point where you realize, oh, wait a minute, there was a consciousness of me before I was born in this physical body. I think a lot of people spend, spend their lifetime trying to ask or find out what that is. Like when people say, I wanna know what my life's purpose is. It really is, I feel like it's the answer to that question. What was my intent to even being incarnated in the first place? So mm -hmm. in terms of being in alignment, I, I believe that there's a point of consciousness that has an intention and it's that intention that basically creates the series of events that allows us to be born and have experience.
It's an intention. And the intention can be very simple or it can be very complex. And I think how you act in physical life being in or out of alignment, let's, let's say, let's say, a good, okay, so the intention for you know, using you and Rhino Deb once again, uh, your Thank intention you. is to play your unique signature frequency to the best of your ability, Rhino Dub. Your intention is to play out Rhino Dub, to build it out, to make it this complex song that just really just makes you feel, com you know, compassionate, proud, happy. Like it's 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 this. It, Seth Seth uses this a lot too. This this term called value fulfillment. There's some part of our emotional spectrum that we feel, man, this feels good. Like I just, I can't explain. I, I just, this feels right, right? We, it's this, it's the, uh, it's the compass of the heart. It's a party that points yes. north. So there, there is this, there is this, quote unquote, ideal way to play, Rhino Dub, the way that it was always meant to be up to some level. However, as you go through your life, and maybe you make some choices or you buy into or believe things that aren't true, but they're kind of fear-based, that can temporarily, it's like that can temporarily put the song from major, which is in alignment, into the minor keys. Can you imagine a minor key version of Rhino Dub where it's kind of sad sounding? So it's uh. still the same song. You don't lose, the, like you can tell that it's, that, it's, that it's Rhino Dub and that this is the Tyler song, but it's a sad version. And it doesn't feel right, but it's mm. still playing on. And you're choosing that. You're choosing to play the minor version at that moment. When you're choosing to be out of alignment or you're not following the compass of your heart, then like, yeah, the, the song itself doesn't change, but the composition and the feeling of it does. It goes from major to minor. So that's maybe like a really rudimentary small example of how I can maybe explain that. Uh, uh. That's amazing. That is amazing. That is amazing. What was coming up for me is so much of, uh, you're talking about intention, right? And so much of what is our intention? Why would we manifest in this physical body? Why would we incarnate, right? And I think about, you know, yesterday was Easter. Yeah. And I think about the paradigm of Jesus and that representation and so much um, that I experience in Christianity and the different iterations or understandings is that there is an afterlife from that perspective, but there's an origin point. And so it's interesting to hear this conversation in the context of multiple realities, the cone or the sphere, um, and how we each time through a reincarnational philosophy have a new beginning point. So those, those actually seem, it seems almost like Christianity could be a more narrowed perspective of a grander play of reincarnation because if you believe in afterlife then how how would you not believe in a prior life <laughs> there's continuity to this question yes yeah i if you if you dig into this and, and you will because you're reading the seth series seth references it too um depending on what school of thought that you're from uh some people believe that the bible was edited at a very at, at its very early conception like after jesus's death uh, the people that created the Catholic Church wanted to control the public opinion. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to sound like I'm speaking as an authority, but this is just based off my own research and my own feelings. The, the Catholic Church became what it, what, was, what it was as a form of, of, of control, more or less, right? I, I feel like it's pretty obvious to see if you connect all the dots. Um, right, and you, you need to get in touch with God through this person. It's, it's yes. another entity that's got the ability to connect for you and interpret on your behalf. 
Yeah, it's, it's taking advantage of human nature. Um, at the very crux of who we are, like I said, like we're born with fear. Fear is what keeps us alive. It's what keeps us growing and developing. And the ultimate fear is death. It's the unknown. So if there's an institution that has control over that, then yeah, they, they can control your way of life, your way of thinking, your philosophy. But anyways, um, supposedly there's a school of thought that, that Jesus did talk about reincarnation. There are references that were in the Bible, but they were left out. There is this idea that there was a series of the, that the Dead Sea Scrolls, have you heard of them? Mm -hmm. The Dead Sea Scrolls and some other texts that were written during the time of Jesus and captured some of his inputs that were kind of hidden away and kept in secret by this group called the Essenes. The Essenes were a group of followers close to Jesus that um, wanted to keep his teachings intact and knew that Jesus and his philosophy was under attack. Uh, their ideology was under attack and there's a lot of hostility towards them. So in order to protect um, a lot of what Jesus was speaking about, there was this group called the Essenes that basically kept volumes of what he spoke about and sealed them away or, or kept them in safekeeping. It, it, like a, a secret society in some shape or form kind of took place to protect that information. Um, and believe it or not, Seth actually references that too. It's kind of interesting. He'll talk about it. So, so. then what is, the, what is the significance of Jesus in this large play? Because again, if we all have this ability to be both human and God, and mm -hmm. then if Jesus is referenced at, at this point in our history, 2020 years ago, approximately when there was BC and there's AD, so yeah. culturally massively significant in uh, in a three-dimensional time and space reality, but yeah. also talks about coming back, right? Was a Jew mm -hmm. and so became like, what says that, that Jesus in its, in, in the concept, like Seth actually breaks it down to say that Jesus was three separate humans. Yeah. Three. Yeah. Three of three. And then consolidated into one uh, idea. Mm -hmm. And so help me to understand from your perspective is, is the lean towards Jesus culturally? Is there a reason behind that? Is there so much momentum? Could this be the most God human and, or most God and most human thus far that's entered into carnation that was able to speak with the most clarity, that had such conviction, was able to channel that God energy to do healing on the spot. I mean, yeah. Joe Dispenza's workshops proved all this through science now too, through yes. meditation, that we each, each and every one of us are able to get closer and closer to source, God energy, whatever you want to call it, by getting into alignment and having ultimate beliefs. So yeah, that, that has so many implications and uh, repercussions on how we go through each day. So what is in your perspective, let's call it the, the relevancy or significance of Jesus through mm. your own personal experience, what you've learned, how you've gathered, and what you've already shared with us? Okay, yeah, um, this is gonna be a, like a multi-layered answer. Um, yes. Because, <laughs> yeah, so um, some, one book that's really changed my perspective on on life and reality it's uh it's been a while i actually gave it to a friend years ago and he never returned it but it's um it's good he it's, was uh, meant to have it yeah it's called the mayan calendar um the mayan calendar it's the mayan calendar something uh, you know what i'm just gonna i'm gonna google it because i think this is yeah do you want a screen share yeah one second i'm gonna pull up my browser 
here we go. Let's see. Uh, if you believe uh, in afterlife, how could you not believe in pre-life? Okay. I have an open right here. The Mind Calendar and the Transformation of Consciousness by Carl Johan uh, Kalman, PhD. So uh, to summarize this book, this dude spent his entire life studying uh, ancient Mayan culture. Um, like he, you know, he got his degree on, uh, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to butcher it. Let's see. It talks about the author. But anyways, he's, in the book, he spent like over 20 years of his life uh, down there in Guatemala, like studying, studying the language, studying the, the, the symbols, everything, everything with the mind. He, he was trying to understand the mind calendar as a whole. And what, why is the mind calendar even important? Well, the mind calendar is a snapshot of astronomy that, is, that has been so accurate that we have used it as reference for the past thousands of years or so. Um, the, the ancient Mayans were so damn good at their celestial calculations, right? Like the way that stars would align and everything, like, the way, like their, their math and their astronomy was on point. Just like the Egyptians. The Egyptians are also known for just being absolute geniuses when it comes to preciseness of star measurements. Mm. And how this all factors in, um, he, he talks about how the Mayans broke down the idea of time. So in this book, um, he talks about, so, okay, this is weird. They, they, have, they have a different reference of time. I'll try to explain the best I can based off my memory. So we have 12 months to a year, right? And that's our reference of time. And that is based off of one revolution around the sun. Well, the Mayans had a different way to measure time and they called these segments of time baktuns. And there were 13 baktuns in one rotation. So have you ever seen a picture of the Mayan calendar? How do you spell that? Baktuns? B-A-K-T-U-N. All right. I'm trying to think of, look at a good picture. Something like that. I mean, we, we've all seen what it looks like, and you can pull it up on, on Google. It's this, it's, this, uh, it's this round shape. And Describe what we're looking at, though, because I've seen this, but what does it actually mean? I mean, there's two faces that are looking at each other at the bottom. There's a face in the center. It looks like there's all sorts of different faces and animals. Yeah. And is this where we get our, our star signs from? Yeah, I'm, I'm see if I can kind of count it or whatever. But it, it, the calendar, the way that he basically described it is the calendar as a whole, it works in this spiral fashion. So it'll, it'll go through one, what, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember what his term that he used to describe it, but how one year to us is 12 months, one complete revolution in the Mayan calendar was 13 baktuns. There were 13 baktuns to one revolution. I don't, I don't know what consists of revolution, but what's fascinating is each of those baktuns, so one of the 13, was ruled by a deity or a god. The deity of God or the God of that Bakhtun. Um, and after one revolution, we'd go through the whole thing again with that, with those same uh, deities, those same gods. And each deity or each God had some type of deep, significant archetypal uh, symbol about them. Like there was one God of, of war, of war and conquest and of violence. There was a God of harvest. There was a God of enlightenment. Um, I, you know, I, I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to pull this up again sometime for you in the future to have some more precise references. But 
essentially there were these different themes that each Bakhtun represented, that each god that ruled over that Bakhtun represented. And what he had found is, according to the Mayan calendars and how they calculated it, every time a, a, a revolution completed, so all 13 Bakhtuns were experienced, time would actually shrink. So this, this is where it gets weird. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, this, this is where it as deity, and then each each uh, rotation, is that what you call it? Each, each yeah, revolution or rotation, when it starts over again, the next 13 Bakhtuns that are to happen takes a shorter amount of time. The Mayan calendar, according to this dude, when he was, when, when he was trying to, when he unraveled it, the Mayans actually did say that the universe started almost 13.8 billion years ago. Their calendar actually goes back that far. That's what makes this really trippy. Yeah. So what this guy did is he took the entire calendar that's been all woven in and he basically like unraveled it. He like unrolled it like a giant roll of carpet. And then studying these Bakhtuns and their archetypal nature and how, 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 they, might, how they might apply to, to our actual history line, he took human history as far back as we were able to measure it. And to the best of his ability, he, he matched our history to these Bakhtuns. And although this is only based off of his theory and his research, like you can't really prove that this is the case because the, you know, the mines are all dead. Um, there was like this almost near perfect match to major events in history next to that corresponding Bakhtun. So wow. anytime there was, and, but this relates directly to an event that happened, Tyler, that changed human history and nature forever. So anytime there was the God of war and conquest, it would nearly perfectly align with an event in history where there was either a giant war or the sweeping of a tyrannical dictator or whatever. So Genghis Khan, Napoleon Bonaparte, Hitler, anytime these like crazy powerful individuals rise to power and cause this like violent push, it would, it would almost align with like the God of war and death or something. Anytime there was a birth of a new religion, Christianity, Buddhism, Islam, it would align when the Bakhtun would shift to the, to the um, God of enlightenment. Anytime there was a shift in, or there's like a new invention or something or whatever, like these, these, these crazy events in human history that completely changed the way that our life would work, would near perfectly align with the shifting of these Bakhtuns and that theme, the theme would, would almost mirror. So his only, so, so, he, so not only are we all impressed by how accurate the Mayan calendar is in terms of its astronomy and its ability to calculate the positions, positions of stars and everything. This guy was uncovering that the Mayans went one step further. They were mapping out that um, not only are we going through this, like we're going through these revolutions in the star system, but as we revolve around these star systems, it's affecting our quality of life in some way. It's almost like it's almost like a giant clock of experience, like a pre-planned clock of experience. So, um, how much does this factor into free will? How how does this factor into some of the other elements that we've touched on? The the point of origin, where mm. you know, if if here's your cone, and your cone could get that's a into very that's a very synchronous question, and this this all I promise is this all ties in. That's a very good question. So this this is this is becoming a very dope conversation. So how does this factor into free will? <laughs> Taking a look at this, so that was a perfect question to ask. You would think to yourselves, are we just slaves? Then are we just puppets to this preordained calendar of events, right? Like all these events are going to happen. Their themes, what they mean are going to happen. 
are we just all puppets to, to this play that's already been pre-planned? In a way, yes. In a way, yeah. If Hitler himself didn't do that, so I, I, okay, this is gonna, you know, I'm, I can't say this with obvious certainty, but based off of the same topic that we're talking about, someone else maybe would have risen in his place. Someone else would have been a Genghis Khan. Someone else would have been, maybe instead of Jesus, there could have been um, Jesus. I don't know, like some of the very similar names, like a human being or uh, an avatar would have come up to, to, to enact this, this grand play, this cosmic play that's happening. Now, as you know, the Mayan calendar ended recently, 2012, 2011. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. Da, 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 da. And at the end of the book, he talks about this. He talks about the ending of the calendar and why, it's, why, his work is, why this work is important to look at. And he, he basically states, looking at this and based off my research, one could say that there has been some invisible hand leading the story of what it means to be human. But now that the calendar is over, even though, the Mayan, even though the Mayans were able to calculate the beginning of our physical universe from you know, billions of years ago, and here it, here it ends, what does this ending mean? He thinks it's graduation. We are no longer needing the parents. We don't need this invisible hand to help guide us on, on our course to becoming what we are. Jesus, as you know, there's been a lot of this symbology of Jesus and the fish and Pisces. Jesus was an archetypical representation of the age of Pisces. Now, what is, now, what is the age of Pisces? Well, the Zodiac Age. The Zodiac Age is based off of, um, okay, let me, let me find another picture here. Um, Milky Way, Galaxy, Zodiac Diagram. Okay. Are the Mayans the one that created all of these uh, zodiac interpretations of our solar system? Not necessarily. Well, they created their own version, their own interpretation of what this is. And so different I, I other... thought multiple cultures throughout the world, throughout different time periods, have had very similar representations. Very sim yeah, precisely. Very similar. Um, obviously, the star system themselves don't change, but yeah. Very similar. Or, or they um, change, but our point of awareness around them is, is so <laughs> limited that, you know, how many billions of light years does it take for some of these stars to actually become perceptible to us? Oh, and we have two new telescopes that should be going up to amplify our, our results of how we can perceive the universe in the next five years. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. 26,000 years. Okay, um, I'm trying to find a good combination of pictures to illustrate this. So you, I, I mean, for the most part, uh, you know that our, our little solar system is part of the Milky Way galaxy and modern math, I mean, and this, and this has been recently proved, but at the center of our, of our galaxy is a supermassive black hole. And the supermassive black hole is this giant, well, yeah, it's a supermassive black hole, but it's gravity and it's pull is what's keeping our galaxy together. And so, here, so here's a snapshot of that that might work. Imagine this is like the center of the galaxy and we're kind of somewhere out here. Our solar system does revolve around the supermassive black hole. So just like, just like how our planet Earth goes around the sun, our solar system is going around the center of the galaxy. 
And um, I'm gonna, I, okay, I'm gonna speak to it as though I do know this, but, and I, it's been a while since I've touched on this, I could be wrong. Um, some measurement, I don't, I don't know if it's a full, I think it's a full rotation, a full revolution around the center of our galaxy would be a, an entire zodiac, zodi, zodiac, zodiac, zodiac age, whatever, zodiac age, right? So if we were to divide this, this whole structure into 12 parts, you know, like we, we supposedly just ended our, our, our journey through um, the age of Pisces. And now you've heard like, oh, we're merging into the age of Aquarius. It's a new age. Well, that's because if we divide, like this whole rotation, I think was roughly, like, roughly, roughly 26,000 years uh, ish. Yeah, it's so like 12, 12 and a half or 12,500 years is almost roughly one half of the Zodiac age. And we have just passed a threshold. We have just, we have, pretty much completed one whole rotation from the last, from the last Aquarius age. So, um, you know, Pisces is known as the 12th house. Pisces is known as the last of the Zodiac. It's, it's, it's like, it's like December of our calendar. So we're basically starting a whole new Zodiac age. The age of Aquarius is like going back to one after we just finished the whole course, going back to number one. Uh, so, you know, like this being a multi-layered answer, Jesus represents a theme. Jesus represents a theme of this whole past age. And if, we're, and if we're going back to this idea, if we're basing this whole off the idea of what the Mayan calendar we're trying to illustrate, like, look, there's some type of invisible hand that's leading these events. There's, there's this kind of pre-written play um, leading us through. Going back to your question of like, well, what does Jesus represent? Jesus represents sort of a graduation, I think of, of, of human nature and the human species. Like Christ, um, at the very turn of the age of Pisces, when we were leaving the last zodiac age, you know, according to, uh, I think Seth speaks about this later, but Christ, Christ and the, and the Christ consciousness was basically the answer to a question. The answer to the question of where do we go now as a species? Like what, what, is, what, is, our, what is our best form? And Christ was a manifestation of, at that time, the, the, uh, the mass unconsciousness of humanity needed a reminder of what they really were and what they could be. And Christ simply manifested as an answer like, oh, yo, you guys aren't just a bunch of hairless apes that are going to be murdering, killing, and stealing from each other. Like, you guys, like, it doesn't have to be just survival and just this grittiness. Reality doesn't have to be this harsh. You know, have you forgotten? No, ye, no, no, not that ye are gods. You know, he's just there as like, yo, I'm just here as a wake up. I'm just here as a reminder. Like, uh, Christ manifested as this perfect, perfect embodiment of a human being that had zero memory loss of what it, of what it was, which was just pure awareness, pure consciousness. Zero so memory loss of their own lifetime or of the infinite consciousness. Like zero. Well, I, I mean, I guess this is very presumptuous, but for my own interpretation, zero <laughs> memory loss. Like I, I believe Jesus had to live his own human life, but to a certain point, I think he unlocked all of his memories of like, oh, wait a minute. I remember all my incarnations. I remember how the nature of reality works. Like he, he had so much memory unlocked that he was able to manifest, you know, take two fish and multiply it into enough to feed people. Like that's not magic. People say, oh, that's a miracle. It's God-like power. Uh, or maybe he just remembered how to do something that we all used to be able to do at one point in time or something like that. You know, like he just, he just, he, he, he knew, not like, maybe not knew, but just remembered how reality works. It's like, it's like Neo in the Matrix, like all of a sudden, oh shit, this isn't, 
this isn't like black and white reality. This is a simulation and I can just hack my brain to just download Kung Fu. Jesus could just like, oh yeah, this is a simulation. I can just like copy and paste all this fish. Um, and he kind of set the stage of, uh, it's like almost like the Zodiac Age was the ending of the play, start of the play. Jesus is like, this is what you're all gonna end up becoming, but we're gonna start this 2000 story arc the entire age of Pisces, we're going to start with the ending in a way of just like, all right, this is what you can be, and this is what you're going to work towards. Here we go. And then he disappears. And the last 2,000 years have been us trying to recreate, unscramble, and figure out exactly what the hell he was talking about. And I believe, this is my own personal belief, that the age of Aquarius is where, you know, once again, the mind calendar ending, all this stuff, the invisible hand is lifted. We're all on our own. And I think our ability to reach that point of Christ consciousness is totally up to us now. And it is plausible. How, do, how does that play into, wow, like this is, this is big. This is a lot to, to wrap the consciousness around. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, wow. I, 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 and to kind of touch back on like the idea of free will, like you said, as we were talking about, there, there is a part of us that exists outside of physical reality that still must on some level be able to make choices. Well, if you take a look at what the human being is and what it's capable of, you can't just magically make a human from some, some like weird hominid creature into this enlightened being that can manifest infinite fish out of thin air. There has to be a linear story. There has to be a linear series of dots that all connect on some level. That There just has to be. So that feels four dimensional. Yeah. 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 So on one snapshot, um, there, maybe, maybe our fourth or fifth dimensional selves were like, okay, we want, we want to experience what it's like for a monkey like species that throws their own shit to be evolved into almost demigods. What does that story look like? Hmm. Well, we can't, well, we're going to, we're going to need some help. We're going to need some help. And that help is this, this play, this play that we've created for ourselves, a storyline. Um, there, you know, all, in the entire Zodiac age where each age has its own theme, where each of the Bach twins, the mind calendar has its own energy of influence. There's these energies that push, push us and make us forces to grow and change and adapt and evolve to this point where like, we, we, we see like the, the nature of reality, at least in our reality is fractal, right? You have, the, you have the, the golden mean ratio. Like if you look at almost anything in, in nature, it has a fractal nature about it. How does that affect, like how does that look for us? Well, we, we're based off of this parent, parental fracture. You, know, you are one fractal layer of your parents expressed through DNA. Well, what if we were to blow that up on a cosmic scale? Well, we can maybe hypothesize that just as that we have human parents, maybe we have this cosmic parent and this cosmic parent, just like how we kind of go through school, this cosmic parent is laying out this quote unquote school for us to go through in a sense where once again, we can't just like, we can't just be these, these like hominids that barely discovered fire and could all of a sudden manifest things like, like Jesus can without first earning our chops, understanding, like through experience, really appreciating and understanding the nature of reality. Only then can you fully like utilize all of it. Um, you know, going all the way back to like our, the expressions of the soul, how 
you know, um, Michael Newton talks about how in the beginning when a, when a, when a brand new quote unquote soul spins off from the source, it's like this innocent, naive white light. It's, it's consciousness and it's a part of the whole, but it's brand new. It's got nothing to it. Well, you push it into physical reality. It gets colored through all these experiences. It gets to, it gets to gain things. It's adapting, it's changing, all that stuff. But eventually, what it's, what it's really doing is it's integrating. It's taking everything of what it could be and it's integrating it into one whole picture. It eventually goes from that white light into that gold light that mm. contains from its whole experience of incarnations, it contains all the pieces that it needed, that, that it had to collect on its own to become that gold light. It had to start off from that 8-bit Rhino Dub simple song into the masterpiece Rhino Dub that has a full orchestra and DJ remix to it. Love it. So I read a book called Sacred Contracts by Carolyn Mize. Have you heard of it? Uh, maybe. I'm going to look it up right now. Okay. So part of what she talks about is that we are fragments of our soul and that they're contracts. So in the same sense as what you're describing as school, some of us are predestined to be, she's got like 74 archetypes or 76, something like that. Mm. Um, and, and so we're predestined to these various roles, but there's a kind of a, a defining role for each person. And so some of us are teachers, right? Some of us are, yes. are, are students. Some of us are, yeah, here you go. Misexamines the lives of preach master prophets. Da, 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 da. Those archetypal journeys illustrate the four stages of sacred contract and provide clues for discovering your own. Yeah. Do you want to just read this out loud real quick? Sure. Yeah, Mize examines the lives of the spiritual masters and prophets, Abraham, Jesus, Buddha, and Muhammad, whose archetypal journeys illustrate the four stages of a sacred contract and provide clues for discovering your own. Mice, is that, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Mice yep. explains how you can identify your particular spiritual energies or archetypes, the gatekeepers of your higher purpose, and use them to help you find out what you are here on earth to learn and whom you are meant to meet. Exploring your sacred contract will shine a light on the purpose and meaning of your life. You're meant to do certain tasks and you're meant to have certain relationships. And I, I, at this point in my journey, I fully believe that. It's a concept that it, it, it's in this, this weird thing where like the, the debate between, you know, free will and predest, predestined stuff, it's ongoing. And I, 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 I'm, I'm just going to assume that anyone who does listen to this is someone who's already on the spiritual path. You know, I'm, I'm not going to try to convince a skeptic that, yes, this, this is indeed true or whatever. You, you kind of have to find, you have to get to that point on your own. But this idea of you are meant to do something, that kind of ties back to our conversation of intention. You know, what some level of you, some fourth, fifth, sixth, tenth dimensional version of you had an intention to create us, to create this fragment of the soul for mm -hmm. a reason. And going back to the other point of, well, that intent is to play a song, to play our signature frequency. But how well are we going to play that frequency? Is it going to be in major keys or is it going to be in minor keys? Is it going to be in alignment or out of alignment? Some people never, and, and, and it's meant to be maybe in some cases, but some incarnations, they, um, they never even get to play the whole song. Mm. That's important too. That's part of it. That's part of it. You, yeah. How does that, how does that play out as far as completeness? How? 
Ooh, um, that's a really good question. Because you were just bringing up that uh, a, a fresh soul. And what came up for me when you described that as being uh, pure, positive, white light, naive. Um, well, how, how is it that a soul spins out? Are our souls strictly related to us and our, our human experience? Are they related to other animals, other life forms? like other okay. manifestations on other planets? That's a good question. Um, I'm gonna, yeah, I made this in Photoshop a long time ago. I think I'm gonna kind of revamp this, but I'd like to maybe uh, bring this back into life in a way. This, this whole idea of us talking, disseminating knowledge. Um, yeah, I thought of this back when I was 20, um, neo-modus gnosis, which in layman terms mean new method knowledge. Um, and I have this tree in the background, kind of symbolizing like, the tree of life. Um, you'll, you'll read about in the Seth books too, like the idea and the concept of, of the tree, it's, it's, it is the grand archetype of consciousness and life in general. Um, so I, I, I don't know, I was trying to take all these different themes and make my own thing, but perhaps I'll revisit this and I'll uh, polish it up a bit and maybe go from there. So maybe, 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 maybe uh, be on the lookout for Neomodus Gnosis, the, the, uh, the reincarnation of, of my old idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as I'm looking at this right here, this seems like a great backdrop for like the, the YouTube thumbnail, right? So mm. superimpose your face on here or our faces, depending on the style or the vibe, um, something like that. But this, this is stuff that you've been thinking about ruminating on and your, your spirit, your soul has been in touch with for yeah. who knows how long in, in three-dimensional terms. I appreciate that, man. Hell yeah. Yeah, I appreciate it. Are you kidding? This is great. It really is, honestly. <laughs> I, it makes me feel like my initial impulses 10 years ago were right. You know, like this powerful synchronicity like this and our conversation, it means a lot to me, man. I really appreciate this. This is dope. Amen. Honestly. It's amazing it that you mentioned that because yesterday my mom just shared with me something I wrote 10 years ago. It was a note to my family and oh. it meant a ton to her. It was about gratitude and appreciation. I went through a really, really challenging time. And mm -hmm. I was just leaning into how incredible our family is and wanting to make sure I acknowledge everybody. And so I CC'd our whole family on an email thread. The block's almost as big as the actual text. <laughs> and I, I mean, she just brought that up. So isn't that amazing? You talk about this synchronicity as Deepak calls it, synchro destiny. And you know, both of us just had uh, a reincarnation of our 10 year ago selves, you with this piece of art and so much more, me with that, that piece of uh, gratitude and that note towards family and appreciation. So yes, thank you, brother. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, the, the idea of, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, cycles, you know, like how the mind calendar has 13 Bakhtuns, our calendar has 12 months, the zodiac age has 12 ages. Well, for the human life, and like if you ever look up numerology, we go through cycles and numbers of like nine, almost 10. It's, it's strange. Um, I don't know if you looked into numerology at all, but mm. it's, a, it's a fascinating topic in itself. I, I want to do some more research, maybe do a video on that. But yeah, like we, we go through cycles ourselves in, uh, in almost nearly 10 years. So yeah, very apropos. Is this why, because what is the significance with math being a universal language, math being that, you know, you, 
you know, like the metric system, right? If there's hmm. another zero, you call it something different. Yeah. <laughs> like it makes so much sense. Um, and yet American standard is like full of fractions and all these, you know, odd representations to me that, that don't seem to follow a simple format. So with the metric system in numerology, you said cycles tend to be about 10 years, tend to be about a decade. You know, in a way, yeah, I, this, this gets really heady, but um, it's so, okay. In our universe, in our reality, in our timeline, we can, you know, for some reason, we have developed this system of the number one through nine up until 10, until it resets. And it's, it's a chicken and the egg question. Like, was math always there and we discovered it? Or did we kind of create math and our interpretation is how it's to be accurate? It's really strange. I don't, I don't really know. I can't really comment. In, in regards to like our measurement systems, yeah, like the metric system just obviously makes sense. Like it's just intuitive. Um, I think Americans have just been stubborn and archaic. We just haven't really <laughs> just refused to kind of update. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't believe the American system that like makes as much sense, but um, like we can, we, can, we can take an object and we can say, okay, this, there, there's, there's, there's one object and now there's more than one, there, there's two objects. So we can, we can kind of create this counting system, but why we decided 10, I'm not sure. 10 is stuck. Interestingly enough, different cultures did have different stopping points. I, I remember reading one culture where they go up into like increments of 13 or something. Hmm. So I, I don't know, it, it, gets, it gets really theoretic, theoretical and grand if we start exploring out of it. But um, yeah, sorry. I, I guess like spiritually though, we just tend to use nine, you know, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then it resets. In numerology, that's the case at least. Everything kind of resets back to this base. Like nine is as far as it goes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine goes back to one, which is resets. Um, so before we took our break, yeah, we were question. we were on the true nature of reality, white mm -hmm. light going to gold light, and how we're all fragments, right? It goes yes. back to that initial intention. And mm -hmm. then Mother Nature was calling. So do you remember the direction that you wanted to take that? Or do you have a direction that you would like to take that? Um, yeah, sort of. I remember, I remember a fragment of what you would ask before, before we took the break, where you know, I made a comment about how um, like one intention could be a lifetime of pain and limitation and darkness. And that is intentional. That in itself is intentional. And um, I, so the spiritual community, like the spirituality as a whole and the spiritual community, there's obviously like many various sects and belief systems about it. Um, you know, being based out of Portland, Portland has this joke about how it's just way too many white lighters. And I was like, what does that even mean? I asked a friend, like white lighters, they only focus on the positive. They only focus on the white light, you know, like my, like, I'm, I'm very spiritual and I'm high vibrational because I'm always focused on this and da 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 da. And, it, and for some people and for some individuals, and I've actually witnessed this being in Portland too, in some communities, it's very narrowly focused where it's like, you just want to stay in the pods. And, and that makes sense. I understand why. Like we're, we as, a, you know, life, life as a whole is engineered to strive for positivity in the sense of like pleasure, right? There's, it, 
the, like here's an interesting thought, and this is this is both observable and provable even by science, is that all life has one, one, one measure or like one uh, one motivational factor, and that's the pleasure and pain principle. Mm. In terms of a spectrum of experience, we experience pleasure and pain. Humans, animals, even plants and fungi can experience pleasure and pain. Like we've, we've able to experience, like plants can demonstrate uh, stress and plants can demonstrate, you know, that they're, that they're thriving. Um, we will always, like that, that I, like it, it makes sense why, like why would anybody consciously want to choose living in pain all the time? Like that's completely illogical, right? Like why would anybody consciously choose to, to live in pain? Yet many people do. That, that's, that's a whole other set of questions. Um, I, and going back, how does this tie, how does this tie back into um, like our intention and our, and our incarnational stuff or whatever? And the reason why I brought the whole white light. So um, I'm gonna use another Mayan picture here. I'm gonna stop sharing this and open this up in my window again. My very, very first ayahuasca experience, I saw this very clearly in my mind. See the Mayan. Uh, okay. It's this symbol. I'm gonna share my screen again. The Mayan butterfly. Hmm. And the Mayans use this symbol, the Mayan butterfly, as kind of a archetypal symbol of existence, of, of God, in a sense. The galactic butterfly. It's the, it's the galactic creator. And if you look at it in detail, like it's this, it's this very beautiful yet perfectly symmetrical balance of dark and light. Hmm. Perfectly symmetrical. Like you see this white, you see this black, and all as a whole, it's, it's together. So even though we want to just be in the white because, you know, let, let, let's just, let's, let's be very simple about this. And let's just say, okay, white represents positive and, and good and pleasure. Black represents pain, discomfort, being out of alignment, right? Being unharmonious. Very, very cliche statement. You can't have the light without the dark. Well, duh, right? We, we need this contrast in, in order to have a whole. Um, there's this idea um, that's been floating around about try, trying to bridge the gap between science and spirituality called uh, zero point theory. Uh, zero point is this idea where like if, if, our if our consciousness is just a point of energy right in the center, that would be zero point. And zero point is where, is where white and black, pain and pleasure, darkness and light, all it's, it's all homeostasis, it's all one. And just like a guitar string at rest, it's, it's neither, it's, it's not, like when a guitar string is at rest and it's not vibrating, there's nothing, right? But as soon as you pluck that string and it's going up and down, it creates this shape. And that shape is, it's reality, it's consciousness, it's existence. And just, and there, there you know, if you, if you look at a two-dimensional layout of a, of a graph or, or a two-dimensional layout of like a, of a, I'll just, I'll just pull it up, let's see. Sound wave. Not the transformer. <laughs> yeah, so you know it has these ups and downs, right? The ups are known as peaks, and the downs are known as valleys, or like peaks and troughs. Let's say this flat line is zero point. This is all like light. This is all dark, and then 
all as a whole, as, as a whole picture, it makes up existence. So how I've interpreted this and how this has played out in my own life is um, uh, in order to have the complete picture of the human experience, in order to have this, in order to have this as, as a whole snapshot for you to understand and comprehend fully in your mind, heart, body, and soul, you have to have the whole picture. You have to have the whole gamut. Let's, let's actually imagine that this is, this one symbol represents the human experience. But we were to break this down to a pie graph, take little snapshots. You'll notice that some snapshots have way more white than black, and some snapshots have way more black than white. And going back to that really just simplistic idea that white represents positive and good, and black represents darkness and pain, you know, you, you got to have both to have the whole picture. What if each little snapshot might have been an incarnation? Like, let's say this snapshot right here hmm. has like a lot of white and very little black. Maybe that incarnation you chose to be uh, a spiritual or religious person who just lived from the heart, was very connected to your soul, and spent a whole lifetime, you know, doing good stuff and being connection, you know, like you were really aligned, you were in alignment, you were listening to your heart compass. Well, and then you have this lifetime, or even though you're like submerged into all this white, like you are totally out of alignment, you're experiencing a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort, and, and it's a hard lifetime. You have to have all of it. You have to have all those lifetimes all together in order to have this entire snapshot of, oh, okay, this is what the human experience is. So yeah, it, it just makes sense. We all have uh, lifetimes that had the intention of, I'm going to go into this lifetime and I'm going to be very selfish. I'm going to cause a lot of pain. You know, like, you know, someone, someone had to be Hitler. Someone had to be Genghis Khan. Someone had to be these tyrants that cause a lot of pain. Mm. And what a gift. What a gift in the sense of, They've shown us a way of human life that experientially might have been very difficult, but because it had been had and it exists, we can then use it as reference of, okay, we don't need to do that ever again, in a <laughs> sense, you know? Um, the, the, it's, the process is the point. The experience is what matters the most. Like, it, because like being in the present, having that, ha experiencing those emotions of like, oh, this, this is really difficult. This is challenging. This really hurts. That's what, that's what makes, man, I, I, yeah, I just sound like some cliche, cliche person, but that's what makes life and existence worth it, really. Um, so going back to that question of like the white light versus the gold light. Well, when you're going through these different incarnations and you're integrating, it's all about, it's all about integration. At some point, and maybe our spiritual mastery. And I've been, I've been sort of figuring this out for myself, or I've been trying to apply it to myself in the best way possible, is integration. You know, Bashar talks about the point of life is not just to escalate your vibration to this high degree and only be positive and white. No, the point of life is to integrate, to take all the bad, the quote unquote bad, the, per the perceived bad, the darkness, and to integrate, not to separate. You know, going, mm -hmm. if, to, be, to be able to consciously go through your pain to consciously accept your darkness, to consciously fully embrace your totality, which is a perfect balance of white and dark, of, of, of light and darkness, of, of pleasure and pain, to consciously integrate the whole picture, that's when you're able to achieve the snapshot and get your personal unique perspective of what your human experience, AKA your, your godhood looks like. So all the incarnations through intention 
your soul, your soul, you know, your soul can see this and your soul maps out. Okay. Like through, through free will on that higher level. All right. I want this picture. And in order to get this picture, I'm going to have to dissect it into different lifetimes with these different compositions of light and dark. And even though the incarnations themselves may not understand, which they're not supposed to not understand why the hell this is happening to them collectively as a whole, when, when the incarnations all align and the pick and they, they each bring their piece of the puzzle back, we can then create this picture and then we can then graduate from this experience. Woo! Wow. Okay. So there's so much that's coming up for me here. Um, your description makes a ton of sense. Really? Okay. Thanks, man. Yeah, of course. I, I'm looking at this galactic butterfly and it's just fascinating to me um, because that's, that's exactly it, right? The spiritual path is to be able to have a step one experience, as Abraham calls it, you know, a point of contrast, a point of dark, right? Being able to find that harmony, finding that joy. And so step four is being really good. Okay, so step one is you experience the contrast. Step two is, is you're aware of it. Step three is you do something about it, right? So you step two is you're kind of dipping into it. So yeah. step three, you feel better. And then you're just focusing on the best intention. You're focusing on the best learning right? Because we have pain until we learn. <laughs> That's when the, the pain goes away when we've actually integrated that lesson into our consciousness. Wow, thank you for that. Um, and so step four is being really good at finding that harmony consistently. Step five is when you can go through the contrast, you go through the step one, and yet you don't lose sight of the whole process. You're so integrated that you can experience even in the moment. We always experience the contrast, but the amount of time you actually stay there, the, the representation, how it, how it shows up as something that's integrated, positive. Um, maybe it's not even positive, right? But in my framing, I tend to look at it that way. I like to think about things as-, as Always positive. positive. Yeah, right. because I believe that all learning is positive because positivity- Amen. Is, is just direction that's in alignment with with a higher good yes. right so if somebody feels better from their learning uh just like you brought up the greatest example is you brought up things like hitler like Genghis khan or genghis however you pronounce his name i mean theoretically he killed more than any other you know human that we know of on record but yet you look at uh viruses and you know, go back a hundred years, and you know, it's known as the Spanish flu. It took out somewhere between fifty to sixty million people, if my data is yeah. accurate. And as a proportion, a portion of our society at that point, I think there was about two hundred million total on the planet. So that was much greater in impact than even one human was. But to find that that reason not to repeat something that could be so dark right? Something that is so painful. Uh, isn't that the essence of wisdom? Yeah. We, yeah. I, yeah, more or less. Definitely. You know, wisdom is being able to, I don't, it's a good definition of wisdom that I, that I read once upon a time. Of course, I'm going to butcher it, but yeah, no, I, I really liked what you said. Wisdom, I guess, would be having the whole experience and then being able to honor that experience consciously moving, moving from that point forward. 
wisdom, having the whole experience and honoring that consciously moving forward. Like a really good example, and this has been, this has been um, a theme in my ayahuasca journeys that I, that I all combined, a point of this wisdom is there's this idea, you know, in, in this three-dimensional reality where there's limitation, you know, there, there's this whole idea of, and, and it exists, it exists around us. There is, there is this idea of limitation in the sense of like, we have to eat to survive, you know, resources are finite in a sense and we need we only like we it's there the, the idea of consumption right this whole idea of taking a part of something in order to sustain yourself um because that's one of the base formulations of this reality like if like let's say let's let's go back to the idea that earth is a simulation right that life is a simulation and in the simulation you can make these rules that last the entire simulation one is if you don't eat, you die. You have to consume. <laughs> you have to eat plants. You have to eat animals. So you have, to, you have to eat other living things in order to sustain yourself. You can't just eat one meal and be good the rest of your life. If only, that'd be dope, but not, not in this reality. So once again, this whole idea of pain and pleasure and how all life, all consciousness goes to these precepts. Do you think a plant feels pleasure when it's being picked by you? No, there. Honestly, like we we've science has even shown that when it, when it, when bugs start eating leaves on a tree, it lets off these pheromones to its other neighbor trees, saying, "Help! I'm distressed. You guys should amp up your natural pesticides." Right? Wow. Like trees are communicating. Yeah, like even though they don't, even though we they don't express in a language we understand, and this is gonna like maybe piss vegans off, but plants experience pain and stress to some degree. Animals obviously do. So when you're eating something, you are taking away that entity's, that individ, that entity's ability to continue its life. So it's, it's, it's a sacrifice. The whole idea of like prayer and honor, that all came because it's like, oh shit, you, know, you are ending your life, plant, fungus, animal, so that I can continue to sustain mine. Mm. Um, so a good example of this wisdom would be having the experience viscerally of both sides of the coin, being the perpetrator, being the victim. And this all ties into karma. So how does wisdom, tie, like my interpretation of wisdom and spirituality is wisdom is fully experiencing all sides of the coin and then being able to once it like honor, honor that whole picture. So, um, you know, through my ayahuasca experiences, I, I felt there were times where I would, I would experience an intense pleasure and power and I was just like on cloud nine, but it wasn't a natural pleasure or surge of power, meaning I, Maybe I was experiencing energies of, of my past lifetimes where I was, I was living the law of the land of dog-eat-dog, survival of the fittest. I'd be this powerful person that was like raping and pillaging others and just, you know, taking all this good. Even though I was experiencing all this good and I was cut off and unaware of, of the pain that I was causing others, I, I would experience a period of that. And then I would experience the complete opposite. I would experience being raped, being pillaged, having things just taken from me and, and experience that deep sorrow. So um, at the end of that journey, at the end, at the end of experiencing like, okay, I know what pure pain and despondency feels like. I understand what pure pleasure and power feels like. And I understand the relationship and how they're in balance. My wisdom is I'm going to stay neutral. They both exist. I honor them both. And because of how the nature of reality works, I can use my free will to be neutral and honor both sides, but not participate. 
that's one level of ending. Uh, how is that joyous? How is that? Hmm. Okay, that's a great question. I okay. If we if we look at the at the concept of pleasure, we you know framing this in a spiritual sense. When we when we think of pleasure, we can easily name very base level concepts of it. Eating delicious food, having amazing sex, um, getting a massage, very physical, very tangible. There's a very, you know, there's a biochemical reaction to it, right? But there are other ways to get pleasure. Have, like, okay, here's another, here's, here's one, here's one system that I still to this day believe is like uh, this dude Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. This guy nailed it. He tapped into the archetype of, of human nature and he nailed it. So there, there, are, there are these levels of pleasure that we can achieve, right? So physiological, breathing, food, water, sex, sleep, homeostasis, excretion, shitting. Shitting can feel really good. <laughs> it's, all, it's all physiological. And based, based on where you are at in terms of like your living circumstances, your belief systems, your emotional, mental well-being, all that jazz, there are these layers to it. You know, when you, like you on a conscious level, use your free will to decide this is good. You know, like I can eat broccoli, like, man, this is good. My subjective power as a point of creation can deem this broccoli as delicious. I give you that same broccoli with that same charge. You fucking hate broccoli. You eat this like, man, this is terrible. This is torture. This is pain. <laughs> so there's that love. There's a level of free will that's involved in all this, but when there are layers of this, like, so yeah, after you, after you pass the physiological, let's say you have all your physical needs met. Human nature. What's, what's interesting about human nature is you've heard this concept of novelty, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't eat your favorite food every day, Tyler, and not get sick of it. That's just a bummer, but it's the nature of reality. Right. When you get exposed to the same things, you know, whether it's you know, sex, drugs, food, Physiologically, if you, get a, if you get a surplus of it, you'll eventually get sick of it. And the soul, this comes back into like the nature of the soul and, and uh, how that kind of ties into free will. Your soul is like, all right, I, I, want, I want a different layer of pleasure. You know, you eventually go up to, you move up to safety, eventually move up into like sociological and psychological needs. So, okay, all your base needs are met. You feel safe. You know, you're, you're, you're working out, you're eating healthy. That's all met. You could still be depressed. Well, maybe because your heart wants some friendships. Maybe your family relationships are need need improvement. Like these people that are in your lives, if you want a good relationship with them, and you can sense on your heart, not just on your heart in your empathetic level, but subconsciously, we're constantly gauging to those reactions. Like we we have some ability to have empathy and to to kind of vibe off each other and say, okay, I have a good rapport with this person. I respect this person. I like this person. You you as a good example, Tyler. I really respect and appreciate you as a person. So if I choice, appreciate that, and if I, <laughs> if I make choices that are out of alignment, that might disappoint me or make you sad, that's going to affect my feelings of friendship and family and being belonging with, with regards to you. So even beyond that, there's, there's this level of esteem, self-esteem, confidence, achievement. So let's say, you know, you get to the point where you're really good socially, you're treating your family right, you're treating your friends right, and it's, and it's a genuine connection. And then you're going along your life. You're just living your life. But then every day, it's just like that. Every day, you know, you know that you have a good vibe, that there's no new challenges or anything. Human nature, novelty, you're going to get bored. It, it, it does start 
getting to this point where, okay, you know what? I want something a bit more. I want some type of personal achievement. You know, it's like maybe I will start my own business. Maybe I'll write a book. Maybe I'll do a painting. Maybe I'll start a club for like kids that are poor and I want to, you know, I want to help displace kids or something. You, you want to do something that's a bit more tangible to your soul. And once you get past the point of that, you get to this, to this it, it, does, it does keep going up. So self-actualization, morality, creativity, spontaneity, problem solving. Now you're getting to a point to where you are just really in the present. You are really in the moment. All of this stuff is already in alignment. You're taking care of it, but now you're just spontaneously getting to this point. Um, so, this, so this gets to my, my own personal belief, my own personal interpretation. But if you are working through all these needs, which on some level can be aligning your chakras, right? You're, you're doing everything that you can on the physical level. Once you get past the physical level, there's this sense of channeling your soul where you're, where you're channeling rhino dub with, and, uh, and you as a channel channeling rhino dub, your, the radio antenna is perfectly straight out. There's no rust, the antenna's not bent. Like imagine, you, you see those like old school radio antennas, right, that pull out? And elongate mm -hmm. and there's like they're like sectional like here i, I my, my camera this is a good point right here's a camera stand but it's sectional now in order for me to to tune into rhino dub the radio station and to hear that song perfectly and clearly and crisp on the radio this has to be fully extended but in order for this antenna to be fully extended to tap into that frequency every every part of this antenna this bottom piece is the physiological, breathing, food, water, and sex. This has to be in balance. This has to be in harmony. And we have to consciously recognize this is in harmony. Then the next level, safety. We have to feel secure and safe and being in physical reality. And then our love and belonging, our social, psychological, intimacy, you know, self-esteem, creativity, self-actualization. There, there, you know, there, there are levels to this. And once, once you find, once you're able to with complete sincerity and your, and your heart compass say to yourself, yes, everything is in alignment. All of a sudden the antenna is extended and you can tap into the most pristine ideal version of Rhino Dub and you're exemplifying it, you're channeling it and you are it. That's, um, but and how this ties back to your question of neutrality, when you're perfectly neutral, meaning you understand the wisdom of creation for its spectrum, the black and the white, the dark and the light, the negative and the positive. When you're able to stay neutral, you're not creating any more karma or another way to word it, you're not creating a surplus or a lack in what this is. You're able hmm. to consciously stay in the center and have everything in balance to tap into your highest version of Rhino Dub. <laughs> is this why the pyramids were what was resurrected by the Egyptians? Everything coming to a point? Oh, man, that honestly, um, that gets into some completely other territory. There's a lot. Is that a, is that a whole other episode? Pyramids, pyramids by itself is a whole other episode. Yes. There's some crazy shit. Can about we do pyramids, pyramids next time? <laughs> yes. I'll brush it up on my There's some bizarre stuff about pyramids, but yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So, wow. Closing awesome. thoughts. What do you, how do you wrap up this, this two hours of Jeez, really journey hours? of the wow. soul? Yeah. Pages, oh. pages. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Honestly, like I, I really appreciate you doing this. I didn't know. I honestly didn't know what you had in store for me. 
but I, I feel like on some level, Tyler, you were kind of helping me pr prime myself to go into this direction, right? I didn't expect the types of questions that you were going to ask, but I was able to give some interesting answers. And um, yeah, I, it's, uh, it's, it sparked something in me. And now I want to get more refined. I want to brush up on this. I want to have sources. I want to have more, something a bit more tangential. Um, but for those that are listening, I would end with, um, please, please, please do your own research. Like I really hope mm. um, you spark some curiosity. None of what I said is necessarily true. It's, it's my own version of truth and it pertains to me. And I hope you're able to find your own version of truth because there's infinite versions. You just got to find your own. You got to find your own uh, clearest version of Rhino Dub, whatever that may be. <laughs> Shout out to the Motet. Oh my goodness, what an incredible song. So if there's oh, any yeah. track that we could have in the background, we need to figure out how to get Rhino Dub to be the backbeat on yeah. the, <laughs> running the whole time. Be like, what is the royalty? We need this. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> yes. Amen, brother. I, I appreciate you coming on so much. Like this is, this is stuff that I imagine is really frequently thought about, but oftentimes not discussed because I, I imagine there's a lot of charge within different people where say maybe yeah. your family isn't as open to different perspectives. This is the way it is, right? You fit into my box, my blueprint, or you don't. And so that can be frustrating as somebody is, as a soul being an infinitely curious um, question asking, answering process, right? This, this, this game of infinity that we live in, and yet we have these tangible, finite experiences. We have five senses, but yet, you know, how often do we actually think about like, wow, when I do this, I, I feel stuff. How does that yeah. actually happen? Like, <laughs> I have dexterity, I have limbs. Like, what a gift. Oh, my goodness. I just saw, you know, this guy, uh, Nick, I think it's Vucevic, Vucevic. Mm. And he's, he was born without basically any limbs. He's wow. Got like, yeah, very little. And Kyle Maynard, he actually has a very similar kind of uh, scenario where he basically has elbows. And Kyle Maynard, he climbed Mount Kilimanjaro on his bare hands. Yeah. And like... Damn. Yeah, there's another guy, Sean Stevenson, um, who actually he passed away just like a year or two ago. Um, but he's known as the four foot giant. Um, no, 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 I'm sorry. That was actually Kyle Maynard. My apologies. Um, but all these, uh, these, these people are coming up for me because this lens of appreciation, you talked about the contrast. The contrast is there for a reason. And when I look at the blessings that I have just being able-bodied, having full, you know, physical representations. I'm going to go hop on my mountain bike after this and go for a couple miles. I don't know. We'll see how far we go, but like what? We just get to do this. The sun is shining. I didn't tell it to. It just decided to show up again <laughs> or we decided to observe it, but some people don't have eyes. They don't have that perception, but then other senses grow animals have so many other perceptions than us. I mean, if a dog can sense 15,000 times more information in the water, a shark can, can smell blood miles away. It has like these pulses of energy that give it readings of what's in the, the water, what's around it so far away. Whales can have songs that communicate for, you know, I think hundreds of miles. It's like, insane. 
Yeah, and, and to think that if all that life is, is what we see, touch, taste, smell, and hear. We're missing the point. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's so, wild, man. Thank you so much for diving thank in this, so this journey. Thank you for all of your experiences that have consolidated and wrapped to, to where we got a glimpse of your present day fourth dimensional reality. We got <laughs> to experience the tangents. We got to experience that snake looking thing as you described, which is also similar to harmonics, right? And vibration, there's always the ups and downs. And uh, that contrast is key, right? We can't experience more uh, on one side than we experienced on the other. The pain, I believe, gives us the direct proportion to be able to experience more of the joy, right? Yes. Some people live very muted lives. And not like that's bad, but that was why my question came up around a, a muted life versus a, wi a, a wisdom-filled, a wise life, right? What is the distinction? Because if you're, if you're constantly neutral, then are you experiencing the full breadth of what life has to offer? Mm. Or if you're constantly neutral, are you just flatlined, which is also the same thing that happens when we're dead? Yes. Uh, that's, a, that's a very good way to put it. I didn't factor that in. That's a very good point. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. I, I think, um, once again, going back to the idea of, in, of intention and stuff, I, I think our soul intends us to have an experience where we can't be neutral for a while. Like I, I think every, every life that's ever born on this earth is thrust into extreme contrast. And um, in, I, I think some lifetimes, they either end up perfectly, they, they end up more on the white side versus the dark side. Um, but I, but I, I, when I said that, quite, when I made that statement about neutrality, I guess I was coming from the perspective of, let's say you reach a point at the very end of your incarnations. Let's say you reach a point where you are able to tap into all of your other parallel reality cells, filter in all of their experiences, both good and bad, and then you get to this point of completion. I personally believe, I feel it, and I, I, what I think is like, we're not going to be on Earth as humans forever. Like, I, don't, I don't see this happening forever, never, never, never. I think, I think the human experience will end. And for some of us, um, supposedly the Mayan calendar and its ending does kind of mark the graduation of, I think, a lot of incarnations on Earth. I think, I think there's going to be a mass exodus of, of people, and that mass exodus comes from just completion they, they reach neutrality on their own and they um they they, they they appreciate both the light and the dark of what the human experience is completely complete integration and what what is what is after integration the next level whatever the hell that is it's just a restart of the same game different <laughs> different chess pieces I don't think so, man. I have this weird feeling that maybe, maybe we incarnate on a totally different planet with a totally different rules, but we have our playbook. We have the earth playbook as a tool. Maybe, maybe we're presented a new set of challenges that we needed the earth rule book, our notes to survive. Maybe, you know, I know that you listen to school, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Like one, one thing that I love about uh, Abraham and Bashar and these other channels, they reference, they reference a lot that earth and, and the human experience is one of the most difficult in, 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 in existential reality. Hmm. Earth, earth is a graduate level school. Earth is very fucking challenging. It's a lot of darkness, a lot of limitations. So if you can graduate earth school, um, we 
I, I think will go where, we, where we're needed. We might go somewhere else that needs our wealth of wisdom that we collected from living this challenging experience. Who was the other person you said? Abraham and who? Ooh, Bashar. Oh, man. Who's that? <laughs> Bashar, Bashar has spell been it? B-A-S-H-A-R. Now, Bashar is very left field. I'm going to give you a warning. And this part you can leave on or cut out. I don't know. Um, Bashar has been, one, has, has been my primary mentor for the past 10 years, honestly. After Whoa. Seth, after Seth, I moved on to Bashar. Um, not, not, the Seth series is super solid. Bashar basically expounds on Seth. And Bashar is actually an extraterrestrial consciousness a thousand years in our future. A thousand years? In our future, yeah. Linear-wise. And a person named Daryl Anka channels Bashar. And um, what I love about Bashar is Bashar is very left-brained. It's a lot of just like logical formulations, equations. It's just no nonsense. Like this, this is what's up. Um, yeah, I, I, I really appreciate how the message is delivered. But Bashar, talk, Bashar nickname, nickname, uh, nicknames us the masters of limitation. He says that many other intelligent species and other dimensions and other planets are not nearly as disconnected from the light as Earth is. So for us to be this far removed from the light and to be cast this far into darkness, but still choose love and still choose empathy, it's a, it, it's a powerful example to the rest of creation. Hmm. A lot of creation looks at Earth and it's just like, holy shit, this is, this is crazy. We are the most insane reality TV show happening in the universe. <laughs> All eyes are on us, so yeah, kind of a fun thought. Who really that, knows, right? You know what, though, that does sound so self-indulging. Like it does. Oh, oh, we're we're the best one that's out there out of all of these. You know how? Who knows how many galaxies and planets and potential, you know, incarnations could exist? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, it seems like you know Earth is center of the universe kind of talk. A little bit, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Abraham calls it the leading edge. And yes. I don't think we could be the leading edge without having the most contrast. So. Ooh, that is a great I, point. And to be fair, we have come a long ways. I mean, we have killed each other in the most violent ways possible in just the name of God. So I, I, think, we, I think we've come a long ways. Now we can say, oh, what? No way. Like, it can't be that bad. But uh, based off of where we've come from, Yeah. Earth, it's been a lot darker so we, we, could, we could take some pride in, in choosing uh in our intention to choose to be human at this time and this time and place so yeah wow that is a perfect place to wrap i can't believe it we have so many additional places that we can travel and go in this uh intellectually stimulating um process of discovery of what the self is what our incarnations are really all about. What is the purpose of all this earth school? Why would we exist here? How have we connected historically? How do we connect in present tense? And where are we going in a future tense? Yes. Thank you, brother. Thank you. All right, and then where, where can everybody check you out at? How do they get in touch with you? Mm, that will have to be on a follow-up episode. I currently don't really have a platform or anything. Okay. Do you have a, an email? Do you have a, a phone number? Do you have anything oh. like that that you'd like to share? 
Oh, yeah, sure. I'll share my uh, email from back when I was uh, 11 years old. Just it's thelegendoflee at gmail.com. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Wow. All right. Your inbox will be flooded with questions for future episodes. Oh, man. People are going like, to be asking, like, where did you get this information from? Do you have a source? Which is good. I'm actually looking forward to questions. Uh, this is all stuff that I've read and researched in the past, um, but I need, I'd, I'd love to start uh, reinforcing these sources and having citations. Yeah, this will be good for me. So bring it on. That's right. All right. Let the games begin. The games All right, brother. Begin. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate you. And until the next time, thank you so much for listening. Have a oh, great yeah, day. Dude. You as well. All right. Later, bro. Peace, man.